Hello, I'm Jake Thorne, and this is another edition of the American Sheep Industry Association's Research Update. For today's discussion, we're going to be exploring the contribution of small ruminants to one of the most polarizing issues in society, agriculture's relationship to climate change. Now, it is a mainstay in today's media, but regardless of your personal feelings on this subject, it is important to be able to decipher fact from fiction, which can be easier said than done. Now, luckily for us, in today's episode, we have not one, but two scientists who have set forth on a path to capture as much information as possible about the environmental footprint of sheep. And we'll be hearing about their motivation, current efforts, and how they feel the data they capture can be beneficial to American sheep producers. Now, I'd like to welcome Drs. Aaron Rechtenwald and Richard Earhart, both faculty at Michigan State University, to set the record straight for us about what is really a complicated topic. Thanks to the both of you for joining us. And before we get going, can you both provide a brief background about yourselves? Sure, th- sure, Jake. Thanks a lot for inviting us here, giving us a chance to talk about our work. Yeah, I'm, I'm Richard Earhart, obviously. I'm the uh, sheep and goat specialist at Michigan State. I've been in that position since 2009. Uh, I do a lot. Of, I do a, a bit of research on you know, topics like this. Although, you know, my main area has been more sheep management. I also teach in both the veterinary school and animal science department and um, do a lot of extension work and work with producers. In addition, I have my own flock of sheep, um, which kind of keeps me honest in this whole yeah. situation. Okay. Hi, I'm Erin Rechtenwald. I'm also at MSU. I've been here for about um, seven years. I work with Richard on a variety of topics. We've researched um, the ethnic lamb market uh, here in the Midwest, and we do a lot of uh, workshops on parasites, nutritional management, a lot of things like that that I assist with the workshops on. And um, I've been moving recently into to working on this environmental impact of um, of sheep and just livestock in general. So that's kind of my uh, current status right now is, is working on this types of issues. Okay. Now I've got a, a lot of questions prepared for you guys today. And, and so hopefully we can roll through all of these, but I think to sort of just provide some background and, and to get things started, I'd like to ask you guys if, if you could provide some, uh, an explanation of, of what greenhouse gases are and, and how they impact the environment. Sure. Greenhouse gases, and you know, I think everybody has a, a vague idea of this, at least from a lot of media that has been um, discussing it over the last number of years. But um, there's particularly three different greenhouse gases that we look at with agriculture. So we look at CO2, um, methane, and nitrous oxide. So what the greenhouse gases do is essentially they enter the atmosphere and then they cause this uh, warming effect because they radiate the heat back to the earth. So so it sort of traps in in the atmosphere, sort of like a a bubble. Um, So the more gases of these three gases that we have up in the atmosphere, the more warming we're creating. So um, a lot of this um, that we're looking at with the... uh, Climate change is, is mainly CO2, but the other two are, are obviously important factors as well. So um, that's kind of the breakdown of, of, of greenhouse gases, at least. Sure. And so you mentioned, uh, you know, the three different gases. How do they, they differ from one another, particularly once they're, you know, out there in the atmosphere? Yeah. So what's interesting is they all have really different impacts on how much warming each one of those causes. So CO2 is, is the most common one, and we kind of use that one as a baseline um, in terms of we put all the gases in terms of as if they were CO2. So it's sort of like our, our gold standard that we use. So whenever we're um, looking at the amount of warming, it's almost always in terms of that gas. But methane is one that we're concerned about with livestock, ruminant livestock in particular, because that's the gas that ruminants, so sheep, goats, uh, cattle form when they ferment in their rumen and they eructate that gas. That's methane that, that they're sort of burping out. Um, so methane is important because it's a really potent greenhouse gas. 
Um, over the course of 100 years or so, it, it can cause, it causes about 30 times more warming than a molecule of CO2. So it's, it's fairly potent. Um, the other thing is that it's really short term. So even though it's, it's fairly potent, it only lasts for about 10 or 12 years in the atmosphere. And then it um, breaks down into CO2 eventually. And, and then it's not as potent anymore. So it has a really different type of an impact than CO2. So we account for it differently. And recently, the science has, has been changing on how we account for that to make it more um, realistic as to how it actually works in the atmosphere. So we're, we're sort of understanding how, how that impact works rather than just counting it as CO2 anymore, per se. The other one is nitrous oxide, and that lasts for a long time in the atmosphere as well. So it's CO2 and nitrous oxide are two things that last for 100 or even hundreds of years in the atmosphere in general. So once it's up in the atmosphere, those ones do last um, or do have an impact on warming over a long term compared to methane, which is relatively short impact. Sure. Okay. Now you mentioned uh, burping, but uh, mm -hmm. how, how else do livestock and, and agriculture just in general contribute to greenhouse gas emissions and, and climate change? It, it seems that cows, particularly dairy cattle, uh, are commonly mentioned in the media for being high emitters of, of methane. Is that is that accurate? They do emit more methane than any of the other types of livestock or really much of anything else. For the most extent, um, you know, agriculture accounts for 10% essentially of greenhouse gas emissions in the U.S. So about half of that is livestock, half is not livestock, like 4% actually. So, you know, almost all the other sectors are CO2 emissions for the most part, unless it's like fermentation on you know rice or wetlands or things like that we like whenever you have a really wet type of area you can get uh, methane fermentation so for the most part it's co2 because it's fossil fuels being burned for transportation for electricity generation i mean most of what we're we're um talking about with greenhouse gases in terms of power generation or what's going on is, is co2 so Livestock is, is somewhat unique in, you know, for for ruminants, you know, about half of our greenhouse gases, just in a rough ballpark number, is that methane. So it's, you know, that short-term gas that we're emitting, and it's a different type of a gas than anything that's from fossil fuels. So it's, it is not adding that lasting impact to the environment, but it's more potent over the first 10 or so years. So it's a little bit different profile. So um, that's part of it. And then also the nitrous oxide is something that is emitted primarily in um, fertilizer. Uh, so when we fertilize fields, we have some nitrous oxide emissions. Whenever you're dealing with nitrogen, um, there's potential that a small percentage of that can um, form into nitrous oxide, so manure, fertilizer, things like that. And again, that's something that is a, a lasting impact on warming simply because that gas in particular will last for hundreds of years in the atmosphere. Okay. Now, how do small ruminants compare to, to cattle you know, for greenhouse gas emissions? I guess I would say, you know, small ruminants, you know, of course, they're ruminants so they have the same process of cattle but i think quantitatively there's a lot you know fewer mass of small ruminants um especially in the united states as there would be compared to cattle um there's only five million sheep in the united states there's you know 80 million beef cattle and 14 million dairy cows so you know the sheep sector is about a hundredth of the cattle sector in terms of you know its contribution when you look at, you know, greenhouse gas in general, like we said, you know, 10% is contributed to animal agriculture. So sheep are a pretty small, like maybe Aaron's done this estimation, 0.03% of the animal industry is the sheep. So it's important to keep that in mind. You know, it's a small contribution, but, you know, we, we, we it's something that we want to understand better. Sure, absolutely. 
Now you mentioned some some stats and some uh, some information there, and, and it does seem that there is a lot of data that's presented out there, whether that's in the media or or on the internet. Uh, you know, where would someone go to find the most accurate information on greenhouse gas emissions of of livestock? Yeah, there's a few um, good sources and a few not so good sources, really. <laughs> like it is a difficult thing. You know, it's who um, I think the the major one that I would direct people right these days is the UC Davis um, has a clear center is what it's called. The UC Davis clear center. Um, they do a nice job in presenting some particular questions that are commonly asked about livestock and the environment. And, and they go through a, a short explainer that describes how um, that fairly objectively um, answers each question. So I think that that's a really good resource um, in terms of, of looking at the emissions aspect. Sure. And, and so we hear this information about, you know, sheep are emitters of such and such or cattle are emitters of, of such and such. But does that really translate across different countries and regions and, and sheep types and breeds? You know, it's, let's say does a, a 200 head sheep operation in China compare to the same size flock, a 200 head operation in the U.S.? I mean, there's some breed differences. There's some regional differences. You know, are, are those estimates really the same? Well, I think I, yeah, you, the way you think about that is, you know, I think the diversity, actually, probably the diversity that you would see around the world is probably about the same kind of diversity in terms of CO2, or excuse me, greenhouse gas emissions in the U.S. flock. I mean, we have so many different ways that we produce sheep, right? There's a big diversity here, and there is in the whole world. So, yeah, it's hard to compare even within the United States to say, you know, what your typical you produces, because you've right. got to think about their productivity. Um, and, and productivity and size of lambs that you market are really going to drive. Basically, we're looking at, you know, what is the greenhouse gas per unit product? And per unit product could be wool, and more commonly, you know, lamb is a big product. So, you know, how much lamb does a you produce? in right. China versus the United States, you know, those are like the driving factors more than maybe the region of the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So thank you. I, I think that provides a really good framework for, for the rest of our discussion. So I, I want to ask you guys, what motivated you to, to start designing some research, looking at sheep and, and their environmental impact and, and greenhouse gas emissions? Well, <laughs> I guess a couple things um, I would say, um, you know, we, I think, for, for me personally, um, I guess when I looked at this project, this project was, um, first of all, supported by the American Lamb Board. So the industry, United States industry here decided, you know, they want an objective view of this. And I thought, gee, you know, with my background and Aaron's expertise in modeling, we can make a contribution to this and give an objective view of this that would help the industry. So I thought, you know, I, I thought that, that that just captured our interests, you know, our backgrounds. Um, and we thought we, you know, we could make a contribution here to help to help define this better in a fair, objective way. Okay. So you mentioned the project. Would would you mind describing uh, what you know what the project is and, and what you guys have in mind and maybe what are some of the, the outcome goals? Okay, yeah. Um the project is um essentially to capture a, a estimate of you know greenhouse gas emissions in U.S. sheep industry. So industry again is you know diverse. We have yep. different production methods, different regions. I'd say so. We are uh, getting data from producers that are in that do different production systems. These would include anything from like range operations, which is one distinct mode of production, pretty dominant mode of production in the United States what I'll call more extensive grazing operations who aren't quite range operations, but, you know, graze large areas in different environments. Could be the Dakotas, could be Texas. You know, those kinds of environments are a little different than what we call a range operation. Then we've got more intensive uh, production systems where sheep are in confinement greater part of the year. Those might be, tend to be like 
in my our region a little bit, maybe in the East Coast. And then we also have grazing operations that I would describe as being a little more intensive, where you know they're on more productive land, it grows more forage, have a higher stocking rate. And then find, so we have all those types of production modes in different parts of the country where we're capturing data from. Plus, finally, we have, you know, the feedlot industry uh, sector where, you know, we're finishing lambs. And that's going to be an important part to capture as well. Okay. So, I mean, and maybe it's obvious, but what exactly will you guys be measuring or capturing? Yeah. So um, what we're capturing um you know, we use estimates that Aaron can describe a little bit more articulate than me um, um, that are established guidelines for greenhouse gas emissions for livestock and for various aspects of livestock production. So we're not actually measuring greenhouse gases. We're using estimates. But what we are doing is capturing farm level data on like how many sheep they have, what they're being fed. Um, all these things make small contributions to, um, you know, describing the, the right equations to use. And then also their productivity, like how many lambs they sell, um, you know, what size lambs they sell. And other aspects like how they manage manure, whether it's stored, whether more a pasture-based system. All these will make kind of subtle um, uh, uh, contributions to our estimate. Is there anything that you wanted to add to that, Erin? Yeah, I mean, we're using some methods that are standard for doing this type of work. So that's good in that there's this sort of international set of standards that you can use to do this type of estimation. And then you're consistent from, you know, comparing one study to the next in terms of how you define um, what you're taking the emissions from um, and how you're doing it. There's, there's consistency then among the research that's been done. And it can also be, you know, you can compare sheep to, um, you know, beef, but then also to soy or to spinach or whatever you're looking at. So we kind of are following the same protocols that those other types of methods use. Okay. Yeah. I, the other thing I was just going to add quick, I mean, we may in the future based on the findings of this study, decide like we need better estimates of greenhouse, mm -hmm. like real gas measurements from different diets, things like that. But that would be future work. Right now we're just kind of describing using these set equations that are standardized and accepted and validated, you know, across the world um, to, to provide our initial estimates. Okay, and so these these baseline figures or these estimates, uh, you know, where do where do they come from, and, and how were they originally developed? I, I know that's probably a, a long answer, but I am curious. Um, a lot of them are actually based from the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. So that makes a splash because um, you know most people have heard of IPCC, and then that's the organization that just. Um, couple months ago came out with their new synthesis report on climate change. Um, but what a lot of people don't know is they also have all these other types of smaller reports that are associated with um, the entire summer report in that there's one that was published in 2006 and then updated in 2019 that kind of gives all the methodology about this is how we have defined how we're going to do um, methane formation, formation in, um, you know, sheep or dairy cattle or whatever livestock it might be. And they publish kind of those standards based off of a massive synthesis of all the work that's been done previously. So all these different um, journals, journal papers that have been done from New Zealand to UK to US, you know, they kind of synthesize all that work. And they have Kind of the top researchers in that field try to put in how do we best capture um, the emissions with you know the, the the best summaries that we have. So that's where most most of the work really comes from is that. And then if there's gaps that are missing in that, then or or work that's more specific to a, a particular crop or a region or something that we're working on, then we can 
use particular um, research that has been published in order to justify any adaptations that we make off of the IPCC or the other methods that are being used. So it's kind of a combination of um, IPCC and then other journal papers that we have read um, that have looked at things that are, are specific to what we're trying to investigate. Okay. Now it's it's really easy, particularly for us as producers, to think about sheep in the context of, of just their life cycle on, on farm. Now, one of the commodities that they produce, or, or some breeds produce, obviously is wool, and, and wool does require quite a bit of further processing after it leaves the farm. You know, how does that, something like that, factor into the greenhouse gas emissions of sheep when that might not be specifically from the animal, but it's certainly tied to tied to the animal. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it is a little tricky because, you know, you have to decide like, what is the primary product that these animals are producing? Right. Is wool a byproduct? You know, like yeah. if we look at what the product sheep produce, you know, we have to kind of come to some decision as to how much of their carbon emissions you should, you know, designate towards meat production versus wool production. If you do it unfairly, you could make wool look like a pretty, you know, expensive greenhouse gas thing. Right. Think that we have a responsibility to do that fairly. And uh, that's uh, other people have have looked at this question a bit. There's no doubt that processing is going to contribute to greenhouse gas emissions. Um, And, you know, exactly what percent of, you know, wool production can be ascribed to processing versus, you know, the sheep production system itself. I'm not sure if it's 50-50. But, you know, there is certainly, I would say, a significant contribution to that. But the other factor to consider in any kind of garment is, you know, ultimately the longevity of the garment. Let's say a wool, uh, we like to think, and I think it's probably fair, that a wool garment's going to last a pretty long time and be held. So you need to, so if that's the case, you know, the the greenhouse the the longevity of the of the life of this product is going to vary compared to maybe another garment so while on the first pass it may look like perhaps wool and i i can't say this but let's just say hypothetically wool might look a little expensive it it probably isn't in terms of it it may not be in terms of longevity of the product and how long it lasts right so these are all kind of important things we're not focused on wool so much in this thing. So we're not in this particular look, but I think it deserves a deeper look for sure. You know, and other people have done it, right? Uh, Aaron, I believe some groups in the UK. Yeah, Yeah, there's been a couple of people that have looked at it a bit. And again, the biggest difficulty with it is did this, were these emissions going toward making lamb meat or toward making wool? And so it's, it's a little bit difficult to define which, where the emissions um, get credited. Um, But yeah, again, you know, there's kind of the sustainability aspect of it, of that you have a long-term product and there's no, you know, the waste disposal is much different, right? You have a, a, a organic product that will degrade compared to a synthetic one that, um, may re- end up in a landfill. So, you know, there's a lot of aspects to that that even are not just emissions per se, that are a lot of sustainability questions that people are becoming much more concerned about, I mean, myself included. Yeah. yeah. Complicated stuff. Yeah. Now, kind of, you know, back to your, your project, you mentioned that you're really trying to capture the diversity of, of American sheep production. We've, you're looking for, uh, you know, contributors with small farm flocks and, and mixed crop livestock production and even in larger range flocks. Are, are you guys actively seeking participants for the project with these different types of operations? Yeah, we're, we, we still are. Um, we're, we're collecting data now, um, but, you know, we we are looking for some more cooperators yeah um you know and just so yeah if there's um in the audience if if there's a, an interest in it, that that's expressed we'd certainly be interested in talking to more producers and getting you know a few more contributors to this project um you know in order to capture the diversity as best we can 
Okay, great. So looking into the future, how do you think uh, what you will learn from this project uh, can be used for future research or even industry guidance? Um, I think, you know, what we are seeking to do here, again, is just to, to really give an objective view um, that the industry can use to understand, you know, its current state, right? And that's our goal here is to do this in, you know, a non-biased way, an objective non-biased way. Um, and I would foresee the industry would look at this information and say, look, what opportunities do we have to change, improve? What are the strengths that we have already? What are the, some of the, you know, things that we could improve in terms of, you know, marketing, uh, you know, should we be selling lambs at this weight versus this weight to, to, to really optimize our system? And I think some of the things that we're going to find is, you know, that not only, you know, if we look at some of these strategies, perhaps to reduce our carbon footprint, we might also find that those exact same strategies increase our profitability and the sustainability of our industry and make it more likely that we're going to have a strong industry for our children and future generations. Yeah. So I view this as an investment in our industry to improve its sustainability and its future, really. So I think it's really important work. Okay, great. Now, through this project uh, that you have in mind, or, or, or maybe you've done this already and, and looked at this in the past, will you be measuring other ways that sheep impact the environment other than being emitters of, of greenhouse gases. And, and as a follow-up to that, what are the ways they can positively impact the environment? Uh, yeah, I'll take a first <laughs> glance at that and then uh, I'll let Aaron add, of course, too. Um, you know, sheep are going, sheep, we, we are gathering some information on that um, as we talk to producers. Our primary is to understand the, the greenhouse gas emissions, but we sure. certainly understand that, you know, sheep make a positive contribution. They protect, you know, grazing livestock are going to protect our water resources and our watersheds more effectively than row crop farming. We know that in the American West, that vegetation management with sheep is really important in reducing fire risk and managing those ecosystems. I mean, you know, we have replaced some of the uh, wild herbivores with domestic herbivores, if you want to call it that, sheep and goat versus, you know, they're the buffalo don't roam the great right. Anymore, yeah. right? And so that did happen a few <laughs> a while ago. And so that's our reality. So we, you know, we do know that they, that they do. Um, grazing livestock can make a positive um, contribution to sequestering CO2 as well in well-managed grazing systems. So, you know, actively by managing landscapes with grazing animals, we know that they that we have that potential. That hasn't been like really well quantified. So we have a hard time like sticking numbers to that. But those are certainly contributions that I think many times in a popular press are not captured and not appreciated. So, you know, it can improve, you know, watersheds, carbon sequestration, which is kind of the opposite of the story that, that we've been told. Yeah. And also many like what people like to call ecosystem services, you know, that that are important, um, like, you know, fire mitigation risks, lots of things that sheep yeah. do for the environment that, yeah, are less tangibly captured in some of these reports. So I think in the future, as we, you know, discuss this and put out this information, we're going to be definitely pointing out these other you know, ecosystem services that sheep provide uh, to, to, to our environment. All right, great. Now, through similar types of, of research projects that have maybe been conducted in other species, what was discovered as maybe some problematic areas for, for greenhouse gas production? Sure. I can talk a little bit about the the dairy industry actually is, you know, that one I think um, more people are familiar with in terms of hearing that on the media is a discussion about dairy cows because there's that's such a large contributor in the United States. 
Um, so with with dairy cows, it's a little bit different than sheep and even with beef cows. So a lot of dairy operations are large, you know, 1,000, 2,000 cow dairies are, are real common. It's kind of hard to get less than that these days. Yeah. Um, but the manure management is really different in a dairy compared to a, a sheep or a beef operation. So for dairy, um, what we have is a lot less of that um, methane formation from the that they're burping out essentially in terms of the proportion and a lot more methane and nitrous oxide really from the manure. So the manure management becomes really important in, in these dairies because a lot of it's going into lagoons or um, now they're starting to um, do more biogas fermentation. So as, as the dairy industry kind of changes, that's something that they can really capitalize on is their manure management and reducing methane as they capture that, as they produce less of it, as they change their structure of the farms. Um, so that's something with, with a different industry. Also, you know, with, with dairy in particular as well, that one has had such escalation in the efficiency of each animal. You know, we're having, um, I think it's like, about the same number of cows as it has been in the last 30, 40 years, but they produce almost like twice as much milk. Like it's, right. it's a really um, more efficient um, production system that they've been able to do through, through genetics and improvement in, in the dairy cows. So in that way, it's kind of another lesson for, for us in that, you know, again, you're producing more product with fewer animals or fewer resources. So that's, that's a lesson that, that we can think about as well. Um, in terms of beef cattle and, and sheep, they're actually pretty similar in their greenhouse gas profiles because um, a large proportion of the gases are that enteric methane, so the burping out the methane. And, and less so important is the manure management because, you know, with sheep operations, you're either on a, on a dry lot or most of the time on pasture. So there's not a lot of emissions from that kind of a scenario. Right. Um, so there's you can do some differences in how you manage that manure, but you know the the bang for your buck is a little bit smaller. Um, so I think that with sheep and and beef cattle, I guess we're, we're gearing more towards how do we manage our our croplands, how do we lower our inputs, how do we make things a little more efficient and really use the land wisely that we have. And um, there's there has been some work. Um, you know, with with sheep as well, with genetics, trying to breed some low methane sheep. Um, New Zealand, in particular, is doing some work on that over the last decade or so. And and there are some um, things that will be coming down the line that we'll, we'll be examining in the U.S. I, am, I imagine. But um, you know, there's just kind of different profiles with beef to cattle, with beef cattle, dairy cattle, sheep. You know, it all. Um, it's kind of specific to the industry, but there are some lessons we can all learn from each other on it for sure. Okay, great. Now I want to ask you another, what maybe ends up being more of a, a philosophical question, but climate change and the role that livestock production plays in that uh, is obviously, and we've already discussed this, an extremely yeah. and, and many of our listeners are, are well aware of at least the, uh, the popularity of, of that subject. Where where does this discussion, climate change and, and livestock, where does this discussion go from here? What what do we as sheep producers need to be prepared for, let's say, 10, 20 or, or 30 years down the road? Yeah, I guess, you know, what I think what it's hard for me to, to be a futurist here, I guess, and project that exactly. But I can say, you know, again, what our project is seeking is is to describe what's happening now and to give the industry this information. Again, I like to think that this is the kind of information that we can use to, um, you know, do a self-analysis, take a look at the kind of practices that are beneficial, the ones maybe that aren't quite so efficient, that maybe are you know things that we can improve, and I think that that kind of, this will help set like a baseline kind of road, and, and we can develop a roadmap for improvements and you know ways of making our industry more sustainable, and you know maybe and also I think get our word out better 
and be kind of in front of this information because you know we the industry can can establish it's a narrative that that you know be more proactive rather than reactive yep. to this mm-hmm. i think other groups you know if if we don't take it upon ourselves to describe this other groups are certainly going to who may have other interests and biases that that we that we perceive so we're trying to do this objectively set this information out there that we can use as an industry the industry can use to you know do a critical analysis and maybe a positive look at how to you know make some improvements and map things out for a sustainable future for this industry okay now obviously the results from your project is going to be very telling to this and and provide uh, really good information but just in general what are what are some areas that sheep producers can focus on maybe improving today uh, in their own operations that can have a, a more positive impact on on the environment um I guess some simple things to consider that come to mind would be, you know, largely greenhouse gas emissions are going to be related to the efficiency of your operation, which ultimately is something that, you know, is important for any kind of flux. So improving the efficiency, you know, make, you know, not keeping a bunch of ewes that need to be culled that are not productive around is pretty important for this versus any other aspect of sheep farming. It might, you know, strike a stronger underline on that. It might also provide, and not everyone can improve the productivity of their flock easily, but there might be some, I guess you call it kind of lower hanging fruit that you can look at that you can, you know, evaluate for your own system. Maybe it it involves, you know, improving your lambing rate, maybe it involves decreasing mortality, maybe it involves, you know, calling non-productive animals. Like all of those things might be different strategies for different production systems that they can look at. And maybe it also even look, it could, could involve, for example, um, targeting the right size market lamb to sell and maybe the right, you know, body composition, like how fat, not maybe overfeeding lambs. All those things would be improve efficiency and probably improve product quality as well, ultimately for, produ- for, for producers. So I think those are probably tangible things that producers are going to be able to see once we get this analysis done. And we're going to do some more, you know, outreach work on this project. So we're not only going to describe this, we're going to create some, you know, guidance for the industry as well. At once we get these results. Okay, great. So, all things considered, would you say that a, a strong and diverse sheep industry in the U.S. and, and the the consumption of of meat, and milk, and fiber that comes from sheep, all things considered, is that beneficial to the environment? Yeah, I mean, I think it's beneficial to humankind, and we can, you know, mit- you, you know. I think that it does make important, um, you know, production of livestock. I, I guess I would argue um, not just sheep, but all livestock are part of our food system. And, you know, having animal agriculture, I think, in balance with other, you know, plant production systems are, are really important for humans and, and, and kind of in balancing food production with environmental preservation. So, you know, I think certainly sheep are part of that and um, an important part of that, really. And especially, you know, not only the United States, like our sheep industry might make a small, a relatively small contribution. But in the global sense, I mean, sheep are a huge yeah. part of animal agriculture in the world. So, you know, that, you know, if I think about it in a larger sense, definitely um, they're very efficient animals and um, they convert, you know, feed that humans cannot consume and and also you know in addition like byproduct feeds of human food uh, industry into you know really nutritious products and you know and fiber as well well you know i kind of asked that because i feel like there's probably um, you know some members of society that believe eating red meat is bad for the environment and so i i asked you know how how does that idea come to fruition and and still persist 
Yeah, there. I mean, there's been some work over the last number of years that um, have kind of looked at what's a sort of sustainable diet is what that's been investigated. And, you know, a large part of that is looking at emissions associated with each pound or kilo of, of food product. So, you know, livestock products tend to be higher than plant-based products in terms of emissions, but you also have a much nutrient, more nutrient-dense product, the protein content's much higher. So in, if you want to just look at emissions, they there has to be a comparison that's equivalent. You can't just compare one pound of lamb meat to one pound of spinach yeah, or something yeah. like that. That's a very different product. Um, so there's some, you know, just making sure that the, the research is really fair and objective and making in, in that. But that aspect, and then also there's been um, sort of a, a a dogma in the, in the health community that definitely saturated fats, red meats are detrimental to cardiovascular health, um, potentially cancer, mortality rates. And um, that has kind of persisted throughout the whole last half of the 20th century, really. And in the last number of years here, that's that's been called into question a little bit more so. Some of those associations have been investigated more, more deeply. And, and a lot of those are based off of observational studies where when you really dissect the work, it seems that those associations are, are not actually there. They may be with some processed meats, but not necessarily with either saturated fat or red meat, which is really animal source foods. So dairies and cheeses and, and meats. Um, so you know, when when we come to these, what is a sustainable diet conversations, if we're already coming to the table and saying, well, red meat's bad for you, so why would I even want to include them, even if they were more environmentally friendly, then you're already at, at, a, at a point where you're not actually comparing them appropriately. Because um, we know that red meat contributes to um, micronutrients, protein, it's, it's very important for, for the human diet. So um, that kind of plays in the part of it, it really deserves a, a place in, in these conversations about sustainability that there should be for human health, there should be this component that's added in there. Um, and we're trying to also investigate what are those actual numbers to, to be very objective about what do our emissions compare on an apples to apples basis compared to all the other food products. Okay, great. Now, you guys have both done uh, quite a bit of extension work. Obviously, that's part of your, your professional careers. Do you, do you have some advice for how we as producers can promote the benefits of, of sheep on the environment to the public, uh, even to someone who may first disagree with our personal opinion? Yeah, I, I think that when I think about this, I I have I even have you know I think we all have family members with diverse opinions on these subjects. So when I think about you know what do I tell my nieces and nephews who, who who may have you know come to this from a different point of view, and you know I just point out again that sheep are going to um, with you know grazing environments are going to have some advantages in in, in in you know soil health in terms of erosion control in terms of you know balancing you know and, and contributing you know fertilizer for cropping systems that are often underappreciated and i think those are important to capture again what aaron just mentioned i think just the the um, quality of nutrients that we get from animal products you know the amino acid um quality of red meat, you know, is especially important for growing children and in many parts of the world is like a vital part of, of, um, of, of, of the diet. And even the fatty acids, we have essential fatty acids that you really would have a hard time creating in a vegetarian diet. It takes a lot of creativity, especially for younger, you know, children and, you know, people who have, you know, those sorts of requirements. Um, so those are all positives that, you know, sheep are going to provide and animal products in general are going to provide uh, to human health and, 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 and to the environment. Okay. 
Now, uh, you mentioned it uh, briefly in a, in a previous answer, but how about uh, from a, a greenhouse gas emissions or environmental impact research perspective? Where, where, what are the plans next on the on the research front in this pretty broad and diverse area? I think for us, you know, our our plan is, you know, to do this initial evaluation. And then I guess, you know, the next thing is to consider if there are some areas that we need more information on. Um, This is going to kind of lay the groundwork. And then we decide, hey, for example, for land production, um, you know, in the beef industry, we have a better understanding of what diets contribute to, um, you know, greenhouse gas emissions, whether they're fed a forage-based diet versus a grain-based diet. We may find that in lamb production, we might need more information on that because in the lamb industry, most of the um, work that's been done has been looking at forage-based diets. Because if you look at, you know, most of the major lamb producing countries have a more forage-based finishing system, whereas in the United States, we don't. So we may find that we might need to do some, you know, further analysis, for example, I'm just kind of speculating here, of like what contribution of concentrate feeding you know, maybe that is a much more efficient system and, and maybe we'll find that our u.s lamb you know industry footprint is a little different than it might be say in new zealand or australia where you wouldn't have concentrates as is you know dominant part of the diet right so those are some things that i could see project and then yeah well we're going to look at you know also the whole extension part of this um, you know, in, in getting out the word, there's going to be an educational plan that we're going to develop to get out the word on this as well. So that's part of our research. You know, we're not like hard scientists who are going to probably be doing um, work with, you know, gas chambers and, you know, and, and there's people who will do that work and, and, and that's great, but that's probably not going to be our particular contribution to this work. Um, we work at maybe a more applied level. Yeah, and there's others that um, we're working with as well at MSU. And then, um, of course, we'll kind of stand on the shoulders of some of the other um, groups that are working across the U.S. and the world. But another another large one is looking at soil health and crop management. That's kind of an additional aspect to all of this, um, other than the sheep themselves. But there's a huge amount of work that's being done across the U.S. and, and the world, really, on carbon sequestration and how do some of these different management practices actually change organic matter in your soil. Um, it's such a difficult and complex situation that we don't even have the estimates currently to to provide for people when, when they do ask those questions. Like if I add a no-till system to my operation, how is that going to change my carbon? We, we just don't know, to tell you the truth, because it is such a varied um, situation that the climate matters, the previous management matters, how you're doing it, the time frames, uh, the weather, like everything is, is really impactful on that. And you know, that's, what, that's a big challenge for the agricultural industry in general is trying to um, find good estimates for that. And there's, there's a lot of work that's going into that. MSU has a group that's going to be looking at some, some rangelands and grasslands and looking at how carbon fluxes change over time at different management levels. Um, but, you know, that's another thing that, you know, we won't be doing ourselves, but we're going to be talking to people and investigating how do we look at this as um, people who are, who are trying to estimate um, greenhouse gases, how do we help the industry know what's going on? And if they make these changes, um, how can they receive any, any benefits for, you know, I, I increased my soil carbon by two tons an acre. Well, we just, we just don't know. So how do you find those numbers and how can we really be, be useful in getting out that information? You know, we have to know it first. And that's, that's okay, the tricky great. part. Well, thank you. And, and as we kind of wind down our discussion here, and, and that was, a, those were both really good answers, but I, I would like to ask you guys one more time to, if you, if you could leave our listeners with just a, a take-home message or a takeaway message from the really broad discussion that we had today and, and, and maybe something that they can really grab a hold of and, and remember from, from this podcast. So if you wouldn't mind, just 
just adding that to to our to our recording here. Yeah, sure. I think just to summarize this as you know succinctly as we can, you know, our goal here is to describe this um, the greenhouse gas emissions, understand you know what our industry um, is contributing, and also right along with that, you know, look at opportunities to alter this and and, and kind of set a more sustainable future for our industry. I think you know we have certainly. Uh, a lot of great things that the sheep industry is doing for the environment, but this is just going to be another way for us to um, look at this and, and make some nice improvements and tell our story as objectively as possible and, and map like a clearer picture to help, you know, communicate this to the public. Sure. So that about does it for time today, and and I I just want to say that you know this is this is not an easy subject to cover, obviously. And to be frank, many of our our listeners of this podcast probably have pretty strong feelings on both sides about the issue of, of climate change and, and livestock production. But I think everybody can agree that your efforts to capture you know very detailed uh, and and scientific uh, objective information is absolutely in the best interest of the industry. And, and so I, and on behalf of our silent listeners, really commend you for your work. Well done. Uh, we, you know, it's very much appreciated. Um, and I'm, I want to thank you too for, for coming on here today and, and discussing everything that you did. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Jake. It was nice to have this discussion and I think it's an important one. I appreciate this opportunity very much. Sure. Yeah, thank you. Well, folks, uh, we'll be back again next month uh, with another podcast. Don't forget uh, that the annual ASI meeting is just right around the corner in January in, in sunny San Diego. Uh, so make sure to get registered, and I hope to see you all there. Uh, but in the meantime, remember, eat lamb, wear wool, for the planet's sake. Have a good day.